What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to week 13, lucky number 13, we hope, of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2017-2018 NFL season. And once again, as has kind of been the trend lately, the straight-up picks were perfectly fine, betting picks left a little something to be desired. Straight up in week 12, never going to argue with a week like we had 11 and 5 straight up. Never going to argue with it. It was a good week. That has us 114 up and 62 down, picking the games straight up. We're right around in that percentage that I like to be. You'd like to be better. You'd like to be up towards that 70% milestone, but that's got us around 65%, and I'm perfectly comfortable with that. So, 11 and 5 straight up, 114 and 62 on the season. Against the spread, we're only middling, like 7, 8, and 1, so we were a little bit under 500, pushed the Monday nighter last night. So, 7, 8, and 1 has us 86, 83, and 7 against the spread on the season. And we're looking at, like, now it's been 1, 2, 3, Four weeks, basically, yeah, four weeks, dating back to week nine, where we've been only at best 500 against the spread. So that needs to start getting better now, if not now, never going to start getting better this week. Over us, over under, we hit 500, we're comfortable with that, with how badly we struggled, certainly in the beginning of the season, over under. We were 8-8 eight and eight exactly over under last week. That has a 78 up, 96 down with the two pushes over under. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks from week 12. We had a pretty successful week. We were 4-0 and oh straight up with the picks. Can't ever argue with that. We were 3-1 and one against the spread, which was a strong showing, and 2-2 two and two on the over under. The bronze pick, I told you to take Philly over Chicago. Did that ever work out in a big bad way? 31-3, to a full four-touchdown victory for Philadelphia. I thought Chicago might get a little bit more on the offensive side, but Trubisky in the offense just could not get anything going. It was an against-the-spread win. I told you to go Philly minus 14 in that game. Actually, I love the fact that we went 3-1 and one against the spread with all spreads that were double-digit numbers. So Philly minus 14, that worked out. And it was a loss over-under, as I told you to go over the 44 points. They only get to 34 because Chicago couldn't get more than a field goal. We go to the silver pick. Atlanta beats Tampa Bay 34-20. to Solid two-possession victory in a division matchup there for the Falcons. It wasn't against the spread win. I told you to take Atlanta minus 10. They win that outright. And it was a loss over under, as I told you to stay under 49 points. But they get up to 54, so they get one score over that. The gold pick. And again, very successful. Pittsburgh. I told you to take them over Green Bay. They win that game 31-28. to very close game. This was my only against the spread loss as I told you to go Pittsburgh minus 14 and it was the one that I was really feeling wonky about. Not the closest matchup on paper, but I was feeling wonky about giving Pittsburgh the full two touchdowns with their offense has been a little inconsistent and really it was just the team giving Green Bay plenty of chances to stay in this game. Brett Hundley moved the ball very well. I think Pittsburgh underestimated Green Bay in that game, so against the spread, they couldn't cover the 14-point favorite. It was an over-under win, as I told you, to go over 41.5 points. Pittsburgh gets to 31 on their own.
and the platinum pick. It's a great week when we sweep the platinum pick, and we did just that. I told you to take New England over Miami. They better than double them up 35-17. to 17. Against the spread, it was a win. The biggest spread of the week, New England minus 16.5. They win the game by 18 points and cover. And it was an over-under win. I told you to go over 47.5 points total. New England gets to 35. Miami does what they can. It gets over the 47.5. Let's take a look now at the private pick'em pools for the Bridgewater's Finest and Hatbox pick'em pools. Season 6 of my show, Year 4 of Hatbox's Pool. In the Bridgewater's Finest pool, I've moved down to 5th place now out of 35 managers making picks with 984 out of 1,386 possible confidence points. That has us on a championship clip of 71% based on previous seasons, but we've got a lot of people that are on championship clips at this point. We may need to now redefine what a championship clip exactly is. So I got 71% of the confidence points, and in week 12, I brought in 107 out of 136 points, which is a clip of 74%. Shout out to our week 12 winner, my guy Martin Wong, West Coast Martin, with an incredible 14-2 and two week, and his two losses were only worth an average of three points each. He brings in 130 out of 136 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 96%. One of the best weeks we've seen all season in a full 16-game slate, no less. Martin doing exactly what I said you need to do this time of year, which is really pick it up. You really need to prove that you are one of the best. Martin's one of the best, and he wins Week 12. More than a Thielen remains our overall leader, 119-57 and 57 on the season. And in those 119 wins, he's brought in 1,002 out of 1,386 possible confidence points, the first and only manager in this Pick'em League to get up over the millennium mark, 1,000 points. That's a clip of 72%, and it has him as the overall leader. So congratulations to Martin for winning the week and more than a Thielen for remaining the overall leader. In the Hatbox Pick'em Pool, I've now slid down into a tie for 6th place from, I believe it was either a tie for 5th or 5th place outright. No, it was a tie for 5th last week. So I've moved down another spot. Out of now 39 managers, we picked somebody up, 39 people making picks in the Hatbox Pool. That's my 114 straight-up wins in the 176 NFL football games that have been played, which also means there's only 80 games left on the schedule. Oh my God, it's getting so close. So 114 out of 176, like I mentioned, 65% clip, and that's where we're at. In week 12, I brought in 11 of the 16 games correctly. That's a clip of 69%, slightly higher than the season average. Six teams in the Hatbox pool, all tied with records of 13 and 3, in week 12 so all six of those teams tie for the week 12 victory that's an 81 percent clip getting 13 of the 16 games correct one of those teams was rel eagles fly and based on that he takes the overall lead in the pool back from team avatar 112 it was a co-lead last week rel eagles fly now all alone on top of the league 123 out of 176 games picked correctly and that is the the magic clip of 70 percent there it is right there it's totally doable and i know that because rel eagles fly is doing it so shout out to west coast martin and the six teams that went 13 and 3 in the hatbox pool for winning week 12 
and shout out to more than a Tealin and Rel Eagles Fly for remaining our overall leaders. And of course, to Rel Eagles Fly for taking the solo overall lead back in the Hatbox pool. Let's take a peek now into Fantasy Corner and see how my four fantasy football teams did in Week 12 action. Wasn't looking good at the beginning of the week. I think I was projected to lose both matchups in the uh, Professionals Dynasty League as well as the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League. I did manage to make a comeback in the Progs League. I actually won my Week 11 matchup or my Week 12 matchup, sorry, against Chalupa Batman. That has me 9-3 and three and sitting in first place in that league. In the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League, I put up a loss against the Tomorrowland Movers. That is Chris Carter, Hatbox Kid, good friend of mine, fellow NFL YouTube prog. So I got the loss in that league, which moves me down to 8-4, and four, but I remain in second place based on the other results from Week 12. And I do have to say, that matchup in the Progs League with Chris was one of my favorite fantasy matchups of this season just because I should have been dead in the water basically from the outset but I tell you it's the Alvin Kamara factor right now and Kamara is running like a wild man he kept me in that matchup it wound up being close but Chris got it in week 13 I have a matchup with Max Maniacs in the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League that is a projected victory for me Max sitting at the bottom of the league right now and in the NFL YouTube Prognosticators League, I have a Week 13 matchup against Gavin O'Connor. That's a projected loss for me, but it's a closer projected matchup than it was earlier, like right at the end, the tail end of last week. Shout out Chris Carter and Chalupa Batman. Thank you very much for the matchups in Week 12. And to Max Maniacs and to Gavin O'Connor, Week 13, knuckle up, let's go. I'll take this opportunity now, as I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of the YouTube video or you go to the description areas, the information areas on SoundCloud and iTunes, you are going to find all of my results from week 12, all of my straight up against the spread and over underplays for week 13 in the NFL. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool as well as the Hatbox Pick'em Pool, season six of my show, year four of Hatbox's Pool. It is never too late to join the pool, put your picks up head-to-head -head against mine and a ton of your other favorite NFL YouTube progs. See how your picks stack up. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page. We talk football all week long. It's a great community. There's all your favorite progs are there. It's just great to talk football all week, get in our Discord channel, start a couple of topics, get in on the conversation. That's the place to do it, the NFL YouTube Prognosticators on Facebook. You're going to find information on subscribing to the Hatbox Nation YouTube channel. I got a parlay a couple of weeks ago. Didn't get one this week, but we're going to get back on the horse for week 13 on Friday. There's all kinds of great content there. Billy B's picks, Hatbox Nation power rankings. There's all kinds of great stuff on that channel. Make sure you get over to the Hatbox Nation channel and smash the subscribe button. You're going to find information on Nerd Tees, http colon slash slash www .nerdtees.ca. Use the promo code BWFINEST. Save yourself 15% at checkout. Free shipping on orders over $50 in Canada. If you're American, obviously you get the bump with the American dollar conversion. Over 100 unique blends of loose leaf and matcha teas 
T-wear, accessories, anybody who is a hard to buy for person on your Christmas list, you can go to Nerd Tees. You're probably gonna find something that you know that they're gonna love and try out. Nerd Tees, it's not too late to get your Christmas shopping in. NerdTees.ca, promo code BWFINEST. And the last thing I'm going to inundate you with, and it's of course the last time I'm going to talk about it, is my Movember page. Donations have absolutely slowed to basically nothing. We're a little bit over the halfway mark of what I was hoping for this year, so we're not going to get to what I wanted. But look, if you got a couple of bucks floating around, you can throw five bucks my way towards men's mental health, suicide prevention, testicular cancer, prostate cancer research treatments, it's one of the most important things I do all year. I'm asking for your help. If you've got the means, please consider making a donation to my campaign. It is mobro.co slash Bridgewater's Finest. And the link is in the description. This is the last week. Try to get it in before the end of November if you can. All right, kids, housekeeping taken care of. Week 13, again, full 16-game slate, like it's going to be for the rest of the season. Let's get into the week 13 picks straight up, over, under, and against the spread. Let's start in Dallas here, all NFC East matchup that I don't think has nearly the prestige that most people at the beginning of the season would have expected a week 13 NFC East matchup to have. We got the Dallas Cowboys playing host to the Washington Redskins. The Dallas Cowboys have been in an absolute free fall without Zeke Elliott. Three straight losses. They had won two straight games heading into that. Before the Zeke suspension, they were sitting at five and three. They were pretty healthily inside, to coin a phrase, I guess, inside the NFC wildcard picture. Right now, they sit two games out. Zeke still has three more games to go on the suspension. If Dallas can't win two of those three games, it's going to be incredibly tough for them to try to wiggle their way into a wildcard spot. I would say virtually impossible. Meanwhile, you got the Redskins also at five and six, but hey, at the very least, they did win last week. Redskins not setting the world on fire on the road, having only won two of their five games, but the Cowboys are sitting here for the Cowboys' six losses have come in Jerry World. We've talked on this show in the last couple of weeks about how Zeke Elliott, obviously when he's in there, he protects Dak Prescott. He makes Dak Prescott look better than Dak arguably is right now, but it's not just Dak Prescott. It's not even the offense. Zeke Elliott, the ripples of Zeke Elliott are felt on the offensive side and on the defensive side because without Zeke to really hold down the run game, and put up really good numbers and drain the clock. Dallas has had to play more on defense in the last three games, and it's exposed how poor that defense really is. The number 24 scoring defense in football, the number 22 total defense in football, the number 21 secondary in football, and even the run defense has now fallen off. Dallas just sitting 17th in the NFL in terms of total run defense. The more Dallas's defense is forced to be on the field in this football game, the worse it is going to be for them, even though they're at home. And the Redskins, now with, of course, I'm going to butcher his name again, Samajay Pirine, or Perrine, or Pirine, or whatever. With Pirine, I believe he put up 100 yards again last week. I think Washington wins the run game in this, and if Washington wins the run game... Washington wins the football game. That's the way I'm going to go with it. Even though the game's in Dallas, I like Washington on the road 
in the division matchup to beat the Cowboys. On the line, Dallas, for some reason, favored by a point and a half in this game. Obviously, I like Washington to win. Let's go Washington plus a point and a half. Total in this game is only 44 points, and I think it's one of the more generous totals that Vegas is going to give us this week. I could see this thing sniffing 50 points. The two teams are 12 and 10 over under this season, so a slight lean towards the over. I am going to tell you to take that. Let's go over 44 points in Washington, Dallas. Let's go to Atlanta now. You certainly cannot forget about the Falcons in the NFC South, arguably the best division in football, probably, certainly, I would say, the best division in football. Atlanta's only a game behind both the Panthers and the Saints. Atlanta's won three straight games. They get to be at home this week, but they have got a tough test in the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota now three games clear in the NFC North at 9-2, and two, and they have the opportunity to really put their foot on the throat of the Detroit Lions here. One more win for Minnesota, and it should lock up the division. Both of these teams on win streaks, like I mentioned, Atlanta has won their last three games, they're 4-1 in their last five. The Vikings are, the, I would say, the second hottest team in football right now behind the Philadelphia Eagles. Seven consecutive wins for the Vikings, got them right up there too with like the Patriots and the Steelers who are also on big win streaks. But look, Minnesota, I still feel like this is a team that people are sleeping on, and I've probably even slept on them a little bit this season. And it's that defense, man. I think Minnesota's probably got the best defense in the NFC. One of the best defenses in football are right up there with like the Jacksonvilles and the Baltimores and the Pittsburghs. There are some really, really good defenses playing football right now. And good defensive football can be a lot of fun to watch. This Minnesota team's a lot of fun to watch. I don't necessarily think there's much of an edge to be found here either way, except for the fact that it's, again, it's just that Vikings defense. In a game where the offenses are arguably comparable in terms of what they've output across the season, you got to defer to the team with the better defense as far as I'm concerned. That's the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to take the Vikings to win this game. Even though it's in Atlanta, let's go with Minnesota, the Vikings, at the Falcons. Minnesota beats Atlanta. On the line, Atlanta is a three-point favorite at home, obviously, where I like the Vikings to win. Let's go Minnesota, plus three. Should be a close game one way or the other. Total in this game is 47.5 points. The two teams are 11-11 and 11 over under this season, so it's a true coin flip. I think this stays under by about a field goal. Let's go under 47.5 in Minnesota-Atlanta. Let's go to Chicago now where the Bears are going to play host to the 49ers. Not a whole heck of a lot, I don't think, to talk about in this game, really. The Bears on a four-game losing streak after being 3-4 and four through seven games, which really is not, it's not that bad for the Bears. It's close. They were sniffing 500 there. It's just, it's the offense that's let the Bears down this season. They've hung the defense out to dry. That defense is better than the amount of points that they've given up. The offense just can't move the football. And speaking of the offense not being able to move the football, let's talk about the 49ers for a second. They're also pretty bad. We may have seen a glimpse into the 49ers' future. Jimmy Garoppolo comes into the game and promptly throws a touchdown pass. Sure, it was in garbage time of a game that they weren't going to win against Seattle, but look, he came in, he went 2-for-2, two two, 18 yards, put the ball in the end zone. Is there a quarterback controversy? Quarterback controversy in San Francisco. Haven't had one of those in 15 minutes. 
I think there's an excellent chance that you see Jimmy Garoppolo in this game, to be perfectly honest. I don't necessarily know that that immediately makes the 49ers a better team, and I don't necessarily know that it immediately makes them uh, have a better chance of winning this football game. I think maybe I'd be a little bit more inclined to go with them if the game was in San Francisco. It's not. It's in Chicago. They haven't won on the road all season. Let's go with the Bears here. Let's take Chicago at home to beat the 49ers. On the line, Chicago favored by three and a half points at home. Initially, I was taking San Francisco's side of this where it was over a field goal, hedging my bets a little bit. But we're going to go with Chicago minus three and a half. The home team in this matchup, the last 10 head-to-head, granted they don't play every season or all the time, but in the last 10 head-to-head matchups, the home team is seven and three against the spread. So that's good enough for me. Let's take Chicago minus three and a half. Total in this game is 39.5 points. The two teams are combined 9 and 13 over under so far this season. So that's a pretty good lean towards the under. But it's worth pointing out they both went under last week, which means coming into their games last week, they would have been a combined 9 and 11. That's closer to 500. This is a really low number here. I don't think it sails over, but I'm kind of feeling the over in this one. So let's go over the 39.5 points in San Francisco, Chicago. I certainly like that number better if Jimmy Garoppolo plays over C.J. Beathard. Or Beathard. Or Beathard? Whatever. Let's go to Green Bay now where I think the Packers impressed plenty of people in that Sunday night football game against Pittsburgh, hanging with the Steelers for big parts of that football game. A lot of that, of course, is due to the Steelers and the way that they played and allowing Green Bay to just have consistent opportunities to stay in that game. But now Green Bay gets to go home and they get a pretty favorable matchup here with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Packers, again, they lose that game on a field goal. It was as as good as Brett Hundley has looked since he had started there. He gets a much easier defense this week against the Tampa Bay Bucks. You got a team that's 1-5 on the road in Tampa Bay. They've given up about 25, 24 points a game, which is relatively close it's at least in the same ballpark towards what green bay is capable of scoring and i mean last week they put up what was it 28 wasn't it 31 to 28 isn't that what i said that game was we're gonna go back down here and take a look 31 to 28 so i mean they just put up four touchdowns on the steelers so i think they have a great chance to at least be within the same ballpark of that this week against a much weaker defense it's at home it's a good situation Let's go with my Packers. Let's take Green Bay at home to beat the Bucs. It's worth pointing out Jameis Winston could potentially come back in this game and come back and play and sort of try to salvage, I guess, the rest of his season. So if they do that, it may potentially be an upgrade for the Bucs offense. But I think Green Bay's got enough on the defensive side that they can hold the Bucs down in this one. Let's take Green Bay at home to beat Tampa Bay. On the line, there's very little here. Like Green Bay right now sits as a pick'em, which at the very least is not off. But Vegas doesn't really know which way they're going to go in this one. We like Green Bay to win the game. Let's take Green Bay as a pick'em. This is the one game also where there is no total as of when I'm recording the episode. But I think the watershed mark here is going to be somewhere around 44, 45, maybe even up as high as 46. So if you get like a 41 or 42 for some reason 
I think you comfortably take the over in that. The two teams are 13 and 9 combined over under this season. But if you have, for whatever reason, if you have like a high 40, like a 48, or even a 47 and a half, you may want to consider sticking with the under. But somewhere around 46 as the watershed mark in Tampa Bay, Green Bay. Battle of the Bays, sort of. Let's go to Miami now where the game may be canceled due to lack of interest. The Miami Dolphins playing host to the Denver Broncos. These two teams have combined to lose the last 12 times they've stepped onto a football field. Miami, five straight losses. Denver, bottoming out seven straight losses after starting the season three and one. Paxton Lynch came in last week, was completely ineffective. I think something like 44 yards and in an interception, and then he wound up leaving the game. So certainly no uh, no grabbing the reins of the quarterback position in Denver in that game last week. Meanwhile, I mean, with Matt Moore, he barely threw over 200 yards, threw a couple of picks against the Patriots last week. Not like I'm going to deride Miami really for losing to New England. I mean, most teams lose to New England. Matt Moore didn't look great. On the plus side, he did hit six different targets with completed passes in that game. Denver definitely going to be suffering with the loss of Aqib Talib. He has been suspended along with Michael Crabtree for two games for that stupid chain-pulling fist fight garbage that they had at the beginning of that Denver-Oakland game last week. Denver, of course, obviously losing that game. But now not having Aqib Talib, one of your best corners, if not your best corner, for the next two games, certainly not going to help. I mean, this is a battle of two of arguably the worst offenses in the AFC, although, of course, you know, there is Cleveland. But, you know, it's it's not going to be an offensive football game, we'll put it that way. I actually kind of like the Dolphins here. I think this boils exactly down to which team is playing at home, and it's the Miami Dolphins. So I'm going to take Miami in this one. I'll take Miami at home to beat Denver. On the line, Miami's actually a one-point dog at home. We like him to win. Let's go Miami, plus one. Total in this game, though, is 38.5 points. The two teams are a combined 12-10 and 10 over under this season, so it's a very slight lean towards the over. I actually think this is going to go over. It's not going to sail, but I mean, look, a 22-20 to 20 game, which is not really high scoring or 23 to 20 or whatever is over this total so I think each team is capable of finding the end zone here maybe one through the air one on the ground each so there's 28 points right there I think this has enough that it's going to go over the 38 and a half so we're going to go over 38 and a half points in Denver Miami but it's entirely possible this game could be 6-3 In another game featuring a team that you just hold your head and say, what the hell is going on? It's the New York Jets playing host to the Kansas City Chiefs. And oh, I wasn't talking about the Jets. The Jets on the season are about as advertised. You got them at about four and seven, which I think most people would have expected. They'd be right around that total, somewhere around that total in the division. They've lost two straight games. They're only one and four in their last five. No, 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 no. I was talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. After starting the season, what, 5-0? and They've now lost five of six games. Confidence is in the toilet. Kareem Hunt is not playing the way Kareem Hunt did earlier in the season. And look, it was probably unrealistic to expect that he was going to continue to play that good all throughout the season. He's a rookie player. He's going to have speed bumps 
for sure. But the problem is, if Kareem Hunt doesn't play like Kareem Hunt, Alex Smith right now is not playing well enough to pull the team out of that gutter. With an offense that sports Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs should be playing better on the offensive side than they have been these last few weeks. A couple of these losses have been inexcusable, especially for a team that should be running away with this division right now. But they're not. As a matter of fact, I think they smell the Chargers right on their heels. And the Raiders, if you want to get technical. I might have even said this last week when they wound up screwing the pooch in a home game, no less. But if Kansas City wants to win this division, this is a game they can't afford to lose. The Jets, I don't think the playoffs are reasonable for them right now, so they may not have a ton to play for except to play the spoiler role. But Kansas City has to get hungry. If they can't get hungry for this game, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs, much less win their division. Let's see Kansas City get hungry this week on the road, I like Kansas City in New York to beat the Jets because if they don't, I mean, they might as well tank. Let's take Kansas City on the road in New York to beat the Jets. On the line, the Chiefs are favored by three and a half points on the road. Jets, three and a half point dogs at home. It's worth noting Kansas City, despite the fact, you know, these two teams don't obviously play each other multiple times every year, but Kansas City is 7-3 and three against the spread in the last 10 head-to-head -head in this matchup with the Jets. So let's take Kansas City minus the 3.5 points at the Jets. Total in this game is 44 points. The two teams are a combined 12-10 and 10 on the over-under this season. I think this probably clears by a couple of points because, again, no faith in Kansas City's defense whatsoever. And the Jets can certainly score some points. Robbie Anderson has scored a touchdown in what feels like 400 straight games, despite the fact that he's a rookie. Don't know how that works. But whatever. He's probably going to find the end zone. Let's go over the 44 points in Kansas City, New York Jets. Let's go to Baltimore now where the Ravens, fresh off that win on Monday night, going to go into a short week, quote unquote, playing host at home to the Detroit Lions. It's going to be back-to-back -back home games now for Baltimore. This is a battle of the North from separate conferences, two six and five teams that sit second place in their respective divisions, looking up at really good nine and two division leaders. Isn't that ironic? The Lions only three and two in their last five, but still in the thick of the NFC wildcard race for that number six seed in the wildcard race. Again, only six and five, but the Lions are four and one on the road. Four of their six wins this season coming away from Detroit. Baltimore going in the opposite direction. They have won two straight games now. That is an excellent defense. They're playing great defense right now. It showed last night with a couple of interceptions of Tom Savage and uh, I think a forced fumble that was recovered as well. So three turnovers, I believe, they generated from Tom Savage. They're not going to be playing Tom Savage this week. Detroit, objectively the better offense. No question about that. Baltimore, objectively the better defense, no question about that. It's it, This is going to be one of those games, it's going to be a game of inches. I kind of like the Lions here though. It's worth pointing out Baltimore has only won three of their five games at home so far this season. They've lost two of their three games against NFC opponents. And just in the context of their conferences, Baltimore's not feeling quite as much heat in the wildcard race as Detroit is. 
Baltimore's basically in a wild card spot right now. If they're not the sixth seed, they're tied for the sixth seed with the Buffalo Bills, and the fifth seed is only a game ahead of them at seven and four. Meanwhile, if you go to the NFC, the wild card one spot right now is eight and three, and the wild card two spot is seven and four. Detroit's feeling more pressure at six and five because they know they've got to get up in order to get to that number six seed in the wild card. Baltimore's basically right there and will be right there, I believe, for the remainder of the season, and they're probably good enough to outlast Buffalo and get that wild card six seed. But Detroit's got more work to do. Detroit has to be the hungrier team, especially coming in, playing a good Baltimore team who's very good at home. They showed it last night, but it's a much better offense that Baltimore's going to be facing this week. I'm feeling Detroit. It's a gut feeling, but let's go with the Lions to go to 5-1 and one on the road. Detroit in Baltimore beats the Ravens. On the line, Baltimore favored by three points at home. Obviously, like Detroit to win. Let's go Detroit plus three total in this game is 42 points and this is another very generous number thank you vegas that they're going to be giving us this week these two teams are a combined 14 and 8 over under this season it's the best combined over under record that we're going to look at this week i think this clears by at least a field goal so let's go uh with over the 42 points sorry about that in detroit baltimore Let's go to New Orleans now, where once again, the NFC South is likely to generate the game of the week. The Saints are going to play host to the Carolina Panthers, a great division matchup there, battle for among the top in that division. Saints lost last week, got beaten by the Rams in Los Angeles, a really good game, only six points, one possession game, I believe it was 26 to 20. That was a really good game for both teams. That game lived up to the hype. I full well expect this one to live up to the hype as well. Saints, 4-1 and one at home. Panthers, 5-1 and one on the road. Saints, undefeated in the division. Panthers have won two of three in the division. Both teams over 500 against the NFC. Panthers on a four-game winning streak. But it's worth pointing out, both of these teams are 4-1 and one in their last five. The Saints coming off a big winning streak of their own. This is a game where I really think the defenses, as far as a full unit goes, are pretty damn comparable. Panthers probably a little bit better top to bottom as a full unit, but I have to defer to the team with hands down the better offense. That's the Saints. I like New Orleans in this one. Tough to bet against a team that's won five of their six road games so far this season, but this will, of course, now mean that this is Carolina's seventh road game. That's a tough schedule already. It'll ease up for them now. All but one of their remaining games will be at home, but let's take New Orleans here at home to beat the Panthers. On the line, Saints are favored by four points, and I think I got to hedge my bets in this one a little bit because this is a game that could go either way. So where it's more than a field goal, let's take the Panthers plus four. Worth pointing out, not only is Carolina five and one straight up on the road, they're also five and one against the spread on the road this season. So let's go Carolina plus four. Total in this game is 48 points, and I've gone back and forth on this one, whether it's going to go over or under by the numbers. I kind of feel like it's going to stay under by a couple of points. The two teams are 12 and 10 combined over under, which is a slight lean towards the over. My tiebreaker here is that in the last 
six games for these two teams. So the last three games for the Saints and three games for the Panthers, they have gone over four of the six times. So that's, look, that's two out of every three. Two out of three ain't bad. Let's go over the 48 points in Carolina, New Orleans. Let's go to Oakland now where the Raiders are going to play host to the New York Giants. Originally, I had this as my gold pick. And that was, of course, before the stupidity with Aqib Tlaib and Michael Crabtree. The Raiders are now likely to be down both of their top two wide receivers, Crabtree on suspension and Amari Cooper, who now not only has a concussion, but also suffered an ankle injury in that game. So you've got no Cooper, no Crabtree. You've got Jared Cook underperforming. Points are going to be at a premium in this football game. And I, the advantage for the Raiders is just not as much, not enough for me to put it in the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze. That said, I still feel pretty good about the Raiders winning this football game. They need to win. They need to keep pace. The Giants are playing for nothing but pride at this point. But like the Raiders aren't out of their division at five and six. They're only a game back now. Of course, they've got the Chargers there in the way as well. This is a game that the Raiders need to win. They're playing an inferior team. They're at home. They need to win this football game. I think they're going to. Let's take Oakland at home to beat the Giants. On the line, Oakland's still favored by a full touchdown, so I think the full repercussions of the Cooper injury and the Crabtree suspension have not been felt by Vegas yet. I would imagine this number is going to drop to probably four, four and a half. So if you're feeling comfortable with this, like it would be worth taking what I'm going to take right now because I don't think you're going to have this for much longer. I'm going to take the Giants plus seven. Giants defense can play ball. The offense does have weapons. The Giants are 3-2 and two against the spread this season on the road as an underdog of any amount. So look, over 500, it's a full touchdown without their top two receiving options. I don't like it. So let's take the Giants plus seven. Total in this game is 42.5 points. Originally, I was going to go over on it, but then of course, the Raiders things happened. The two teams are a combined 10 and 12 over under so far this season, and they've both gone under in their last two games. So they're trending under anyway. Let's stick with that. Let's go under 42 and a half points in Giants Raiders. Let's go to Arizona now where the Cardinals, they won last week. Good for them. That was a game I did not think that they were going to win. Cardinals pick up the win, but now they got to welcome the Rams. It's a division matchup. The Rams won last week. They're leading the division. They're head and shoulders a better football team. This is an incredibly tough test for the Cardinals. Cardinals have held their own in the division. They're 2-2 two and two in their four division games so far, and they're above 500 at home. So if they're going to win a football game, it's much more likely to be a home game than it is a game on the road. But they're only 3-5 and five against the NFC. Two of those three wins, obviously, of course, coming within the division. Rams are 2-4-3 in the division. They're 2-1. and one. They're 5-3 and three against NFC opponents. They won last week. They're 4-1 and one in the last five games. They're objectively the better team. Rams need to win this football game to stay ahead of the Seahawks. Cardinals have to be hungry, too, because they're not 100% out of it. But even at 6-6, six and six, it's going to be a tough hill 
Don't go into this football game expecting the Rams' defense to make the Cardinals' offense look any better than it happens to be. It's possible that the Cards' defense might make the Rams' offense look even better. So in this kind of a matchup, let's take the Rams here. They're the favorites. Let's grab them. Let's take the Rams on the road in Arizona in a division matchup to beat the Cardinals. On the line, Cardinals are seven-point dogs at home. It's a tempting number to take, but the Rams are 4-0 and in their last four games as a favorite of anything. So if they're favored by even a half point, up to a million points, they're 4-0 and against the spread in the last four. Let's stick with the hot streak. Let's take the Rams minus seven at Arizona. Total in this game is 45 and a half points. The two teams are 10 and 12 over under combined on the season. They've split their last two. This is really a coin flip. I don't think it sails over by a lot, but let's take over the 45 and a half points in LA, Arizona, just again because of that Rams offense and what they're capable of doing. They just put up 26 on the Saints. Another game of the week candidate is going to take place in Seattle this week as the Seahawks are going to play host to the Philadelphia Eagles, arguably, and I realize the Patriots are a thing, arguably the best team in football. Seahawks certainly not out of this division. They definitely need to win this game in order to keep pace. They're in the wild card picture, firmly in the wild card picture, but every game is important at this point. This is a little bit tough here because Seattle comparatively anyway, is having a bit of a down season at home. They've only won three of their five games at home, and more than half of their wins have come inside their own division. 80% of their wins against NFC opponents have come within their own division. Don't get me wrong, that's not a bad thing. They're just not playing a division opponent this week. The Eagles have not yet lost to an NFC opponent. They are 8-0. and including obviously being 4-0 inside their own division, but they're 4-0 outside their division against NFC opponents. I mean, you can't you can't get off the train at this point. You can't get off the train. You can't even think about getting off the Philadelphia train until they lose a game. Like and they're probably going to lose a game at some point. I don't expect this team to go 15 and 1. Not that they're not capable. I just don't expect it to happen. So they're going to lose a game eventually and if they're going to lose a game This is the kind of game that maybe they might lose, but Seattle just doesn't have enough of a run game to be able to dictate the pace when they have the football. They're not going to be able to protect Russell Wilson. They've shown that over the last, God, it feels like a year, but certainly the last couple of months, they can't protect Russell Wilson on the offensive side. They don't have enough of a run game because of that to dictate the pace. If you can't do either of those things against Philly, you're going to have a bad time. I think Seattle's going to have a bad time this week. Let's take the Eagles on the road in Seattle to beat the Seahawks. On the line in the Battle of the Birds, Seattle is a five-point underdog at home. So obviously Philly favored by five points. It's more than a field goal, but look, Philadelphia is 8-0 undefeated against the spread in their last eight games. So it's not just that they're winning, it's that they're beating Vegas. Philly is paying out right now, 8-0 in their last eight against the spread. Seattle, for their part, is only 1-4 against the spread at home. So they might be 3-2 straight up, but they're only 1-4 against the spread. Get all over this Philadelphia minus 5 at Seattle line. And let's go to the most perfect total of the week. This seems like a weird thing to say. 
but let's just hear me out on this one. Total in this game is 47 points, right? When I did the math on this matchup, I thought it was going to be 27 to 20. That's 47 points exactly. The two teams are 10 and 12 over under this season, which of course is a slight lean towards the under, but I'm actually going to tell you to go over in it because I mean, look, Philadelphia's offense is capable of taking over football games. I think they'll be able to establish their run game with both Ajayi and LeGarrette Blount. Let's go over 47 points in Philadelphia, Seattle. And the last game we're going to look at before we get to the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks this week is the Pittsburgh Steelers now hitting the road, going to Cincinnati division matchup against the Bengals. I tell you something, it is incredibly hard to be a playoff contending team when a couple of things don't happen. One of those things is, obviously, you got to score more points than you give up. And Cincinnati's not doing that. But you also have to be better than 500 in your own division. It's I know it's difficult. These are the teams that know you the best. But you have to be able to beat those teams on a more consistent basis than they beat you to have a shot at being a solid playoff contending team. Right now, Cincinnati's only 2-2 two and two within their division. Pittsburgh is 3-0. and oh. They've beaten every team in this division that they've played so far. They're 6-1 and one against AFC opponents. Cincinnati's only 5-5. Five and five. You got to be better against your own conference if you want to be able to be a playoff contending team. Right now, they're not. They're about equal with the other teams in the AFC, whereas Pittsburgh seems like they're way ahead of pretty well everybody. So we got to go with Pittsburgh in this football game. Objectively, the better football team coming off of just putting up 40 and 31 points, I believe, in consecutive football games. So the offense definitely where they want it to be. Let's take Pittsburgh on the road in Cincinnati to beat the Bengals. On the line, Cincinnati is a six-point dog at home, and I had actually contemplated taking this originally, but I just, I don't know, I just don't think that's going to work out. The Steelers are 4-1-1 one, and one in the last six head-to-head matchups with Cincinnati. These two teams obviously play each other twice a year being in the same division. They know a lot about each other. And Pittsburgh, again, 4-1-1 one, and one against the spread in the last six against Cincy. Let's go Pittsburgh, minus six at Cincinnati. Total in this game is 43.5 points, and I kind of think it's relatively generous. These two teams combined are the worst over-under record we're going to look at this week at just 8-14 and 14 over-under. I kind of thought this was going to be somewhere around 39-40 points. This is a pretty generous number from Vegas. Let's take under 43.5 points in Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. All right, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 13 in the National Football League for 2017-2018. We'll start at the bottom with the bronze pick, which is now a pick best 10-2 and straight up with the bronze pick. This is after really heavily struggling straight up with this pick last season. So we're 10-2 and straight up. We're an even 6-6 six and six against the spread and one 10 and one on the over-under. If you took the opposite, imagine what an incredible over-under season you would be having if you took the opposite of every pick that I've taken here in this bronze pick. That's nine under 500. If I had turned that around, we're looking at, you know, having a much, much better, I'd probably be right around 500 over-under. Luckily, I think I picked the easiest total this week. The bronze pick is the Tennessee Titans playing host to the Houston Texans. I love Tennessee in this matchup. Even though it's a division matchup, I don't think this is going to be overly competitive. And the reason for that is Tom Savage. I understand he was on the road against a really good defense 
a defense predicated on takeaways in the Baltimore Ravens. And they got three of them, two interceptions and a forced fumble. But as long as Tom Savage is the quarterback of this Houston Texans football team, they are not going to be able to move the ball the way they need to move the ball. They're not going to be able to establish the run the way they want to establish the run. Also in last night's game, it looked like Lamar Miller may have kind of tweaked an ankle or something. He came back in the game, but after that point, it felt like he was splitting carries pretty heavily with Alfred Blue. Blue may have even gotten more touches after that point than Lamar Miller did. So if Miller is dinged up especially, I just I just don't like the chances of the Houston Texans here. And look, I'm not going to talk like the Tennessee Titans on defense are the Baltimore Ravens. They're not. They're arguably, you know, they're, they're far from being the best defense in that division, obviously, because there's Jacksonville. They're one of the worst. I mean, like on defense, these two teams, Tennessee and Houston, are relatively equal in terms of what they're giving up on the defensive side. The big thing here, Tennessee is 4-1 and one at home. Houston only 1-4 and four on the road. This is back-to-back road games now for the Texans. Take Tennessee all day here. I like the Titans at home to beat the Texans. On the line, Tennessee favored by a full touchdown. Originally, I grabbed Houston plus seven in this one, which I also did in the Monday nighter last night, and that was my push. But we're going to go Tennessee minus the full touchdown. Tennessee, for their part, is 1-0 against the spread this season as a favorite of a touchdown or more. And that one happened to come at home. I think Tennessee covers this number. Let's go Tennessee minus seven. Total in this game is 42 points, and this is why I think this is the most generous number that Vegas gave us this week on the total. I think this game could sniff 50 points. So for the fact that we didn't even get like a mid-40s number, we got a low-40s number, I think you take the over in this game all day long. The two teams are a combined 13-9 and over under this season. I realize a lot of that is due to Deshaun Watson and Houston, like I just mentioned, is not the same offensive team that they were with Deshaun Watson. I totally realize that. But the Tennessee Titans defense can play to a certain level that might make the Texans offense look a little bit better than they actually are. I think Tennessee certainly going to score their points this week. I think they cover the minus seven, and I think this game goes over the 42 points. So, I got Tennessee straight up. We got Tennessee minus seven against the spread, over 42 points. That is your bronze pick. My silver pick, where I am nine and three, both straight up and against the spread, and only four and eight on the over-under, sees the Buffalo Bills playing host to the New England Patriots. Don't think I have to say a ton about this game. The Bills, look, they won last week. That game against Kansas City, almost every win against Kansas City at this point should come with an asterisk because it's like, what the hell is going on with Kansas City? That was back-to-back road games. Now, at the very least, Buffalo gets to come home and they get to face New England. I get the feeling this week we're going to be back to the Buffalo Bills defense that had given up 135 points in three games prior to that game last week against Kansas City. New England all day here. Let's take the Patriots on the road to beat the Bills. On the line, Patriots are favored by just over a touchdown. Right now it's New England minus eight. Buffalo an eight-point dog at home. Interesting to point out, New England 3-1-1 in their last five games head-to-head with Buffalo in Buffalo. So New England has covered the spread three times in the last five trips to Buffalo. That one push, remember I just said it was 3-1-1? One, one. 
That one push, guess how many points it was by? Exactly eight points. If nothing else, Vegas has a sense of humor. Um, we got we got to go New England to cover this number. It's le- It's not double digits. We'll put it that way. New England owns this division. Let's go Patriots minus eight. Total in this game is 49 points. The two teams are a combined 12 and 10 over under this season, and they've split the last two. When one goes over, the other goes under, and vice versa. I kind of like this to stay under. Like, Tyrod Taylor should have always been the Bills' starting quarterback. Showed that the Bills were a little bit better, but they still only put up 16 points on a suspect Kansas City Chiefs defense. So I don't think they get to that against New England, and I just don't see New England. There's no reason for New England to put up 40 points in this game. So let's go with under 49. So New England straight up, Patriots minus eight against the spread, under 49 points. That is your silver pick. My gold pick where I'm nine and three straight up, six and six against the spread, and eight and four on the over-under, sees the Jacksonville Jaguars playing host to the Indianapolis Colts division matchup of the AFC South. Now the Jags did lose last week, kind of broke the winning streak. They're still four and one in their last five. Colts have lost two straight games. They're only one and four in their last five. Colts are the worst offense in that division. Jags are the best defense in that division by a long shot. Do I need to say much more? Jags all day here. Jacksonville at home beats the Colts. On the line, Jacksonville favored by nine and a half points at home. Seems like a relatively big number. It's almost double digits. Actually, I'm a little bit surprised that it's not a little bit higher than that. But you got to consider this too. Go back a few weeks. Week seven in Indianapolis. Jacksonville 27, Colts 0. So let's take Jacksonville minus the 9.5 points. Total in this game is 41. The two teams are 11 and 11 over under on the season. I don't think this is going to sail either way, but let's go over the 43 points. I expect Indianapolis to score some points in this football game. Jacksonville, I think, will score plenty. So I don't think it's going to sail, but let's go over 41. So, Jacksonville straight up, Jacksonville minus 9.5 against the spread, over 41 points, that is your gold pick. And the platinum pick, 9-3 and three straight up, and 6-6 six and six against the spread and over under. It's the only game we haven't talked about is the Los Angeles Chargers at home taking on the Cleveland Browns, and this is 1,000% matchup dependent. The Chargers, they've won two straight games. They're three and two in their last five. They're pressing the Chiefs for the division. Chargers, arguably right now, the best team in this division, even though the Chiefs are the Chiefs. But the Chargers, they're coming up. They've got a pretty good defense themselves. The offense is moving the ball, not moving the ball as good as they could be, but they're still moving the ball. I realize that the Chargers are under 500 at home right now. Three of their six losses have come at home. They've only won two of those five games. But the Browns are the Browns. Haven't won a game yet, obviously, so they're winless on the road. They're only scoring about 15 points a game. I think the Chargers on defense have more than enough to keep that number right around where it is. I think you double cover Duke Johnson all day. Who knows who's going to be the quarterback for the Browns? It changes. Seems like it changes quarter to quarter. Who's going to be the quarterback on the other side for the Browns? You double cover Duke Johnson. I think you got the game on lock. Let's take the Chargers at home to beat the Browns. But one thing that I will say 
is this is the line that is the craziest because the Chargers are favored by 13 and a half points. Why? I realize it's the Browns and I realize that they're bad, but I mean, 13 and it's all, it's two full touchdowns and the Browns are bad, but I mean, the defense, there's worse defenses in the NFL, maybe not from a scoring perspective, but certainly from a yardage perspective, there are a lot of worse defenses in the NFL than the Cleveland Browns. And for a Chargers team that has struggled a little bit to move the ball, I don't think I can give them this much leeway. It's worth pointing out that while these two teams certainly don't play each other every year, in the last five head-to-head matchups between Cleveland and the San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers, you want to know what Cleveland's against the spread record is? 5-0, and including two games where they covered around this number. They covered a 13.5 and a 13. I believe that was in 2006 and 2009, and that just goes to show you how long the Browns' futility has lasted. To be a Cleveland Browns fan is to embrace insanity. That's not even a criticism. I actually applaud you for that because it shows that you're a real fan. But I think I'm going to have to take Cleveland plus 13 and a half in this one. I don't think Cleveland's going to win the game. Certainly not. But I just can't give the Chargers that much credit to cover the game by full two touchdowns. So let's go Cleveland plus 13 and a half. Total in this game is 42 and a half points. The two teams are a combined 9 and 13 over under this season. Let's stick with a low scoring matchup. Let's go under the 42 and a half. So... Chargers straight up at home beat Cleveland. Cleveland, though, plus 13 and a half on the line, under 42 and a half points. That is your platinum pick. There you have it, folks. There are my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week 13 of the 2017 NFL season. It is time now for the patented Bridgewater's Finest comment of the week from the week 12 video. And it's always great for me when my peers, people that I call my peers, my fellow NFL YouTube prognosticators, kind of call me out on my shit. Not really call me out on it, I guess, but like, just just question it. I love I love it when these guys are kind of questioning the picks and, and, you know, Matt, the NFL fanatic, does this all the time and he's excellent at it. And the comment of the week this week does exactly that. The comment of the week this week goes to Stephen Coleman of Half Moon's Picks, one of the best progs in this community and he was calling me out last week a little bit on the platinum gold silver and bronze picks because i took all the favorites they were all by double digits and this is what steven had to say your platinum gold silver and bronze picks combined are giving up a total of 54 and a half points that may be more than i can chew but good luck this week And happy Turkey Day. Of course, I'm Canadian, so I didn't celebrate the American Happy Turkey Day. But I hope and I'm glad to hear that everyone that I've talked to so far seem to have a great Thanksgiving this year. So that's excellent. So yes, no, absolutely right. Those games gave up a combined, like he mentioned, 54 and a half points. Now, if I had stayed with all the underdogs, which I was going to originally do, I would have gone one and three against the spread. It would have been a really bad against the spread weekend rather than just being, you know, kind of mediocre in week 12. But by taking all the favorites in those games, which I felt pretty confident about, I wound up going three and one, which I kind of explained in my response, which I'm not going to read the whole thing. Basically, what I, the, the long and short of it was the one that I felt 
that I should have reconsidered was the Pittsburgh minus 14, which is the one that I got wrong. But Stevens points were all excellent. And for, you know, pointing out 54 and a half points would have been a lot to swallow for anybody. Steven, yours is the comment of the week from the week 12 video. All right, folks, that is going to do it for the week 13 episode. That's it for me. Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. A shout out to the Toronto Argonauts for being your 105th Grey Cup champions. And what a game that was. If you're not watching the CFL, if you're a fan of football and you're able to watch the CFL and you're not watching it for whatever reason... Shame on you, because the CFL, not only is it a great product, but it has now produced back-to-back incredible championship games in the Grey Cup. Toronto was within a whisper of going down by two full possessions to the heavily favored Calgary Stampeders. Instead, they get a fumble recovery that they take back almost a about 100 yards to tie the game. They take the lead on a field goal shortly thereafter. Calgary gets into field goal range, but they elect to go for the dagger. They go to the end zone, and it's picked off in the end zone. The Toronto Argonauts come back from being heavily down and heavily underdog to win the Grey Cup 27-24. to I got the pick wrong, and I'm not upset about it one little bit. So that's my message. If you're a football fan, especially a football fan in Canada, if you are not watching the CFL, you're doing yourself a disservice as a fan of the game of football. Watch the CFL when it comes around next season. I'm willing to bet if you watch that product in your own backyard, especially if you happen to be Canadian, you will become a fan. They're talking about expanding the CFL to Halifax, which is only an hour away from me. If they do that, I may be doing a bunch of these videos from hotels in Halifax getting ready to watch CFL football games because I can't wait until the day that the Atlantic provinces and Halifax in particular gets themselves a CFL franchise. Once again, that's it for me. Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Thank you to everybody, even though it was a day late, that you got basically 80 to 85% of what I expect in terms of viewership on my episode last week. Thank you so much for watching the Week 12 episode. Thank you so much for watching the Week 13 episode. Enjoy the games, and we'll see you again for Week 14. Peace out. Mm -hmm.